0: Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports. It's Thursday, September 9th. What a show we have for you! We've got an exclusive interview with Congressman Tom Tiffany of the state of Wisconsin. He has been at the forefront of raising concerns about the way the vetting of Afghan refugees is being conducted. As we now know, it went from they're being vetted in Afghanistan before they get put on a plane to now they're getting vetted on the back end after they're already in the United States. Congressman Tiffany has raised some pretty big concerns. He's gonna tell us about a new hole in the vetting process that he has uncovered by talking to frontline agents and frontline military folks. You're gonna wanna hear this. This one's gonna shock you when you hear it. Something really basic in the security system. Also, there are rumblings of a communicable disease outbreak, measles in his state at Fort McCoy in Wisconsin, where thousands of Afghan refugees have already been moved. We're going to find out if that's true. And then before we head into the 9-11 weekend, I'm going to play a little snippet of one of my interviews with Congressman Lee Hamilton. If you remember him, Democrat from Indiana, one of the most influential Democrats of his generation. And he was the co-chairman, along with Republican Governor Tom Keene of New Jersey, of the 9-11 Commission. And this Saturday, this Saturday, we're going to have a special edition of this podcast my life was forever changed on 9-11 my family has many connections to 9-11 i lost one of my good friends on the plane that smashed into the pentagon a woman named barbara olson who was a great senate investigator the wife of then solicitor general of the united states a justice department official Ted Olson, and Ted Olson is going to be one of our guests on that show. My dad was a police chief in Easton, Connecticut, which lost several members of its tiny town in that tragedy, including the youngest of all members die, a young baby on one of the planes that hit the tower. That was a big moment for my dad, and my dad spent the next year giving lots of speeches as the Connecticut Chiefs of Police Association president on we had to fight the war on terror and never let this happen again so we have an amazing lineup for you on saturday this is going to be a special broadcast we're going to do it at 7 a.m joining us is bernard carrick bernie carrick the former commissioner of nypd he was there on 9 11 running the nypd He has some amazing anecdotes and stories about what happened that day and what lessons we still haven't learned all the way later. We've got Congressman Lee Hamilton. We're going to play a little of that in just a second of of his interview. And then we have Ted Olson, the former Solicitor General of the United States. We've got... Frank Siller, whose brother Stephen Siller, the great firefighter, ran through the Lincoln Tunnel with his gear on his back all the way up the stairs of the Trade Center Towers, only to die there trying to rescue Americans. We have many more great guests and all-star casts because here at Just the News, here at John Solomon Reports, we are determined never to forget what happened that day. Now, this whole special has been made possible by our partner, The folks at Policy Genius, and I want to thank them personally for this. 9-11 is a day that I will never forget, and I am determined to use whatever bullhorn I have as a journalist to never let Americans forget that day. Well, the great folks at Policy Genius are making this special possible. They are the sponsors, the partners for this incredible show on Saturday. Please check it out. I know normally you don't get a podcast from me on the weekends. Usually Friday wraps it for the weekend. But this weekend, we're going to have a very special podcast. 9-11, we never forget. That is the name of the podcast. And our good friends at Policy Genius are the reason we're able to do this. For those of you who don't know who Policy Genius is, let me tell you who they are. Do you like to save money like on auto and car insurance and homeowner's insurance? Well, then you got to know Policy Genius. This is straight from their statistics, not in doubt. They save customers an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. Let me just give you that again. $1,250 a year. Wouldn't you like to have $1,250 back in your wallet, back to spend on, hey, maybe some Kansas City steaks or some other things, maybe a new Freedom Phone? Well, here's how you're going to save that money. You're going to go right now to policygenius.com and enroll, and they will look for you and try to find you ways to save money. They save, as I said, $1,250 per year over what people were paying combined for home and auto insurance, $435 a year savings just on people who are starting for the first time on auto insurance, and new customers, $350 per year on homeowner's insurance that is a huge savings. Hey, maybe you can take some of the money and donate it to Tunnel to Towers. You can maybe get some Kansas City steaks, right? So many ways you can spend that money, donate it, put it towards a college kids tuition, towards retirement. You'd be crazy not to save money. And so check it out, my friends at Policy Genius. They are our partners for this incredible special on Saturday, 9-11 We Will Never Forget. That's the name of the special. So How do you take advantage of this? How do you get the money saved before you even get to listen to the podcast on Saturday? It's really simple. Head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then they'll take that data, compare rates from America's top insurers, everything from Allstate to Progressive, and they're going to find you the lowest quotes. And if they find you a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll switch you over for free, they do all the work. You make the savings and you don't have to pay them. What a great deal. Their top-notch service has earned Policy Genius thousands of five-star reviews. That means everyday Americans like you and I have used them and said, five stars, double thumbs up. These guys are the best. So if you wanna thank them for sponsoring this special, for making such incredible guests possible as Lee Hamilton, Bernie Carrick, Ted Olson, Frank Siller, so many others, head to policygenius.com right now and get started. Policy Genius, what do they say? When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. It's nice to get 1250 bucks back in your wallet. I'm going to do it. I know you should too. All right folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to play just a few excerpts of our exclusive interview with Congressman Lee Hamilton. He's retired. Uh, he's at Indiana University. You are going to want to listen to what he had to say about the state of Washington, about bipartisanship, about mistakes Democrats may be making right now. It is worth listening to. We're going to play the whole interview in its entirety Saturday on our 9-11 special. But right after this commercial break, quite a piece of news from Congressman Lee Hamilton. We'll be right back.
1: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Remember to support all of our great sponsors and advertisers. They make this show possible. They make the investigative and breaking news journalism of just the news possible. If you like those products and you want to thank them, go check out their services, particularly my good friends at Genius where they are sponsoring our great 9-11 special this coming weekend. All right. I had this interview with Lee Hamilton. Let's set the stage. He was probably one of the most consequential Democratic members of Congress of his generation. He spent decades in Congress. He was one of the Democrats' most important foreign policy experts, national security experts. He was so revered and distinguished at the time that when 9-11 occurred and when it became important that we get bipartisan honest facts about what happened that day they turned to him and said we want you to be our country turned to him and said we want you to be the co-chairman of the 9-11 commission he joined new jersey governor tom kane a republican and they did an honest thorough bipartisan investigation which identified all the failures to connect the dots all the failures to communicate real threats in real time that preceded the extraordinary attacks on our country that resulted in nearly 3,000 deaths in Washington, D.C., New York City, at the Twin Towers, and of course, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. So the whole interview is going to be here Saturday, but I just want you to listen to this little exchange I had with him. I asked him what is going on in Washington and what's wrong with it. And he had some pretty strong words of rebuke for his own party, the Democrats, for trying to shove things through Washington without any bipartisan support. Such an important piece of wisdom from a Democrat who puts country before party. Just listen to this clip. You always had a remarkable reputation, sir, being able to work with all sides of the aisles, right? Your side, the Democratic side, the Republican side. How concerned are you about the polarization of our country right now? And do you have any advice for the generation that's there now in the Marble Asylum? What can they do to try to talk more about we in America and less about us and them inside
2: America? I think you have to remember that you do not accomplish, I don't think, anything of lasting value in our complicated government unless you do it in a bipartisan You can do something as a Democrat and it can be helpful, but it will not be long lasting unless you invite the Republicans in and vice versa.
0: You can do something
2: worthwhile as a Republican. But look, we have to have bilateral partisan effort in order to do anything of lasting value in our country. The Democrats will be in office for one day. They'll be out the next day. Right. The same is true of the Republicans. You've got to do it in a bipartisan way. Yes. So it won't be done permanently.
0: We seem to forget that in this generation that we have now. And I, I've been watching this town for a long time, and your generation, I think, showed it could be done. This generation seems to struggle a lot with it. As you look out now, we're heading the third decade of the war on terrorism, and it clearly isn't over. I mean, obviously, we may have pulled out of Afghanistan, but the threat and the determination of the enemy is still there. First, start with how we exited Afghanistan. Any concerns about what we leave behind there and what could happen in Afghanistan?
2: Well, look, I, uh, I think the first question that you have to address when you decide to deal with a country like Afghanistan, and of course it applies across the board, you have to ask yourself the question, what is the American national interest in this country? That has to be the focus. Now let's talk about Afghanistan a moment. There are very few countries on the face of the globe where we have less of an interest than Afghanistan. Having said that, we have important interests there. We do not want Afghanistan to be used, by way of illustration, as a safe haven from which an attack on us or our friends could be made. Now, that's a very important national interest to the United States. We cannot do much with it unless we have bipartisan cooperation in dealing with that kind of a problem. So I think when I look at all of our problems today, I often say to myself, we do not sit down early on and spell out precisely what the interest is in that country.
0: Mm, Such good wisdom. You're right. And all our foreign policy in the years where it worked, it always started with what's the American interest, and then how do we achieve it? And it seems like we've gotten away from that basics. The Secretary of Defense Austin, uh, General Milley, Chairman uh, Joint Chiefs, have all said that they have an assessment that within two years, a, a terror attack could potentially be staged from Afghanistan upon an American interest. Lloyd Austin also said that he thought that Al Qaeda had a good chance of reconstituting itself in Afghanistan, when you hear our top leaders say that, what's your first impression about that?
2: My first impression is they're right. There's a tendency we have to go after a problem hard, aggressively, oftentimes effectively, but we don't sustain it. These are not problems, terrorism is a good illustration, that we're gonna solve. What you do is you manage it. You try to reduce the impact of the bad things and increase some of the good things that we do. So I think you have to get your mindset. has to be one of permanence and understanding that these threats come and go. They rise and fall in urgency, but they continue. And your response has to be institutions that are flexible and are well staffed, well resourced, and able to go with the flow of events around the world.
0: What an idea, huh? Just think about that, what Lee Hamilton just said.
2: Nothing of lasting value
0: comes unless it has bipartisan support in Washington. Words of wisdom, words of rebuke for the current all Democratic leadership of Washington that is trying to ram through things without any bipartisan support. Congressman Hamilton knows he did it in Congress. He reached across the aisle. He gave us extraordinary wisdom and facts and information about after 9-11. And this Saturday, you're going to hear his whole interview. He's got, I got a little teaser for you. He identified the one big lesson he still doesn't think America has learned from 9-11. You got to listen to that. Tune in Saturday when Policy Genius helps me put on a 9-11 spectacular special 20th anniversary what we've learned what we haven't learned what lies ahead in the war on terrorism because despite what some people are saying the war on terrorism is far from over the hamilton will be one of our key guests all right we're gonna take a quick break when we come back congressman tom tiffany's here you are not going to want to miss this his home state of wisconsin is one of the largest staging areas for where afghan refugees are being delivered into our country he has some big Big words of caution, and you're going to want to hear that right after this commercial break.
1: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com.
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest from one of my favorite states. I spent eight years there in the great state of Wisconsin. Congressman Tom Tiffany is joining us. Congressman, great to have you on the show. John, it's good to be with you today. It's an amazing day. And I know how busy it is for members of Congress. But you have been one of the most important voices on stressing that we can't let our guard down and we can't drop the ball on vetting these Afghan refugees that we're bringing to the United States. We want to make sure we protect the right ones and get them here for those who served with us. But uh, you have seen an awful lot of holes. You've been really concerned about us. Tell us what makes you most concerned about the this, this situation as the Biden administration has set it up.
1: Yeah, you know, how this was really born out of is almost two weeks ago, John, I was down at Fort McCoy, and I went in with some skepticism, and it turns out, in regards to the vetting process, and it turns out that that skepticism was warranted, because the key question we asked, because I went with some other members of the Wisconsin delegation, is we asked, um, are these people here, how many are on special immigration visas, and it turns out there were none, not one, and I would... thats remarkable. I would hazard a guess with there's over 10,000 now at Fort McCoy. I think the number's up to nearly 13,000. Right. I would bet none of them are there on a special immigration visa. And why that is so important is that's what the administration represented to us three to four weeks ago. They said these people are coming here on SIVs and they're being fully vetted and all the rest. And people that have went through the SIV process in Afghanistan, in the first three months of this year eighty four percent of them were rejected, and now you don 't have a government in place to really be able to check at all right and it, so it's deeply concerning that there is not a good vetting process going on and i can I can virtually guarantee the American people it is not being done appropriately, especially for someone who's been to the border southern border twice this year. Homeland Security is not doing their job in terms of vetting.
0: Yeah, you don't have a lot of confidence in the Mayorkas regime, do you?
1: Uh, no, none. I mean, having two trips down to the southern border, right. to the Rio Grande, and then going to Panama also at the end of May and hearing the Panamanian government saying that they're really concerned about people with terrorist ties coming up the Panamanian pipeline all the way to South Texas. They're deeply concerned about that, yet our government... The Biden administration just waves it off. And boy, this is a whole new game compared to when we went to Afghanistan, now bringing people into our country that is a country that is the number one purveyor of terrorism in the world with the Taliban running the operation.
0: Yeah, boy, it's got all the hallmarks of a a red blinking flashing light. Now, when we do vetting right, right, we have identity checks, we do things that you have found, I think a major gap in the vetting process as it relates to social media. Can you talk a little bit about what you found there and what you're concerned about?
1: You know, I've had some great discussions with veterans in my district and some of them, we've helped them to be able to get people out of Afghanistan that were warranted to come out of Afghanistan that were helpful to our troops. And those people deserve it. And I believe those people number in the thousands, not 134,000 as we see today that have come to the United States. But one of the things a veteran told me when he did two tours in Iraq, and he said, we always check social media. And it appears that the Biden administration, the State Department, is not doing any checks on social media. And that's one of the number one places you can find at this point. Um, what people's, you know, true beliefs are. I mean, employers across the United States, they check social media all the time when they're interviewing people. They're not doing that in this case um, to review these people because the veteran I spoke to, he said, we would find out oftentimes if people had ties to Islamic terrorism or an extreme Islamic ideology that does not jibe with our Western values they were able to glean them out by reviewing social media, and that is not happening here in this vetting process, which is a huge hole.
0: Right. It's unbelievable to think about it, right? Something that simple, right, that we know we've done it for years. That's how we found uh, and, and thwarted terrorist plots on our own soil at the times And we know radicalization goes on in social media, and we're not checking it at all. It, it's it's mind-numbing.
1: John, you know, it's for those people that are skeptical out there also. Right. like, you know, come on, Congressman Tiffany. You know, you got to cut some people some slack a little bit and all the rest. I mean, we had State Department officials saying two weeks ago when they were loading people up coming out of Afghanistan, they said, get them on the planes. We'll sort the immigration status out later. (laughs) And Secretary Blinken acknowledged that this last weekend on the Sunday news shows that that's exactly what they did. That is a terrible way to
0: handle national security. Yeah, it is. I think it's exactly why We're vetting on the back end, meaning after they're already in the U.S. presence, they're vetting them after the fact. That seems to be backwards in the most impossible of ways.
1: Just to continue on that thought just a second, you're correct, that's the wrong way to do it, but we heard from the people at Fort McCoy, the commanding officer, he said, they're vetted before they come here. So there's not vetting happening at Fort McCoy. Wow. At least that's what we heard two weeks ago, that the vetting was supposed to happen before before they got to Fort McCoy. So when is it happening is a really good question at this point.
0: Yeah, it, it almost sounds like a bad routine of Abbott and Costello, who's on first, right? Because everyone is, yes. is moving the, the vetting to a different point in the timeline, and no one seems to know where it's really occurring. Uh, it just seems like a recipe for disaster. Now, we broke a story in Just the News a couple days ago. An Afghan refugee, uh, identified as someone who had worked as a contractor with the Defense Department, was getting on a plane for the United States for Dulles Airport out of Ramstein Air Base in Germany, when not an American surveillance person, but a German military officer spotted something suspicious in his carry-on luggage. They opened it up, and it turned out to be five blasting caps, a detonator cord, and a blasting tube. Now, they say they don't think this is terrorism, that it, this was stuff that he had gathered in relationship to his work. But the idea that he got to Afghanistan to Ramstad with this on there and was almost on a plane were it not for an alert German ally, how concerning is that to you?
1: Deeply. And think about it. Some people waving aside that a person's bringing blasting caps and detonator yeah. wire— on a plane, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, that's kind of uh, normal practice. How many people do that? that? I mean, that should absolutely send off send off alarm bells of the vetting process that we're doing. But it really proves that the vetting process is not working. And you also look at it appears from what we're hearing that there's a communicable disease outbreak going on in Fort McCoy. At right this in point. your own state. So you have all these things happening. You have the person who I believe was a rapist that was deported. He came back in. Fortunately, they did catch him. But how many people are they not catching? And especially is that sleeper cell starting because 9/11 is right around the corner, right? Right. And those people that perpetrated that on America, they were here on valid visas. Yep. And is the same thing happening now? And the big thing about this is that you can't be wrong if you're trying to protect the safety and security of Americans. Of those 134,000 people currently, you can't be wrong on one. Because if one is that sleeper cell that ultimately commits the, most, the next most heinous act of terror, I mean, that's harming Americans. That's our safety and security. And I would just say this, John. The American people gave over $2 trillion dollars of their hard-earned money to fight these wars over in Afghanistan. Over 2,000 young men and women in the military gave their lives over there. Thousands more came back broken, physically and psychologically. America has given in Afghanistan. Now, to have terror come to the United States, because we don't do the proper job of vetting people coming into our country, would double down on the debacle that has been Afghanistan.
0: When you look back, and I think I've heard you answer this question, but when you look back, are we safer on the 20th anniversary than we were before 9-11 or more vulnerable based on the signs that you're seeing?
1: I hope we're safer,
0: but hope is never
1: an answer to national security. And that's what causes me such great concern is being an optimist by nature. I hope that we're in a better spot, but um, boy, the actions of the last few weeks of the Biden administration and seeing what they've been doing on our southern border where they're not vetting people down there. We know they're not vetting people coming into the country right now with the evacuation in Afghanistan. It does not give me much solace. I just don't think people can be sanguine about this issue Yeah, because all it takes is one really bad actor, and you have a disaster in the United
0: States. Yep, the next Muhammad Atta could be one block away if he's gotten through this security, poor security. Um, As we look out over the next couple of weeks, what can Congress do, what can members of the public do to try to put pressure on the Biden administration to tighten up these things? It's pretty clear their answer is, we're going to do it the way we're doing it. If we do it backwards, live with it. Do you think that there is a coalition inside Congress of bipartisan people that can really change or put pressure on the administration? Are we inevitably on a collision course with the consequences of their behavior?
1: Yes, there is the ability to change. And Senator Blumenthal from Connecticut began to talk about it a little bit. But it's up to Democrats. They have the majorities. They can act. They can say to the president, hey, you've got to take a different course here. Right. I mean, they can do something about it because clearly the president is not going to listen to us Republicans. He just simply has chosen not to. So Democrats can do something about it. But I think about my home state representative, Senator Baldwin, um, went to Fort McCoy. She dismissed it. Right. Representative Pocan, who has been so concerned about COVID, kind of waved past, yeah, there's been a couple people with COVID that came into Fort McCoy. I mean, he got madder and heck at a local convenience store because people weren't wearing masks, but now he's not concerned about COVID coming into Fort McCoy. So Democrats like that are just purely in protect the president mode and rather than protect the American people as they should be. I mean, it is our number one task is to protect the safety and security of Americans. And Democrats are going to have to decide... If they're going to do that, because the American people um, are deeply concerned about that. I hear from people all the time about it as more and more of this news comes out. But if there's an act of terror or if we see incidents like happened after the big migrant surge in Europe in 2015, where you had the bombings in France and places like that. You had assaults that were going on in the streets of Austria and places like that. And the Europeans are now saying, hey, we're not going to be involved with this migrant surge. If incidents like that start happening in the United States, the American people are not going to be forgiving.
0: Yeah, they certainly won't. And you're right. The 2015, mid-2010s, the experience in Europe really showed what happens when you had, you ease up on the border screening almost instantly the threat level goes up and terrible things happen. Congressman, we're so grateful for your time. I know how busy you are with everything going on in Congress, but uh this was an important conversation. You're you're ground zero in Wisconsin for this Afghan refugee. Uh, any parting thoughts about what you, what should be done at Fort McCoy? I mean, if uh, are you still trying to get information on the measles outbreak? What what can we learn from that and uh and what should we all be watching for in the next couple of weeks?
1: Yeah, we're searching for more information all the time in regards to this incomplete vetting process, and it continues to come in. It concerns me that the commanding officer, when we were there two weeks ago, he said, he suggested there's a capacity of 10,000 people. We're up to 13,000 evacuees now. And I just go back to what we said before. These people must be vetted in a safe third country. You cannot bring them over here. And then expect that you're going to be able to send the bad guys back because the courts just don't let that happen. That's not our history in this country over the last couple decades. Once they're here, they're here. And to have this incomplete vetting process not being held in a third country has huge security implications for the people of the United States. And, you know, I'm going to add one other thing, John. Please. I sent a letter to the resettlement agencies, many of them connected with charitable organizations, religious organizations like Lutheran Social Services and
0: Catholic Charities. Charities,
1: I have been urging them to do a full vetting of anyone that they resettle because they're going to be resettling people in communities and these organizations are known to be respected and that they make sure that they would never do anything to harm their local communities I mean think about Catholic Charities Lutheran Social Services the federal government the letter I sent to them I said the federal government is falling down on this vetting process it is now up to you to make sure that you're not bringing harm to your local communities I urge these major charitable organizations the resettlement organizations to make sure that the responsibility is now on you to make sure what is not done by our federal government gets done by you when you're resettling these people
0: yeah what an important message to send and they are well-intentioned right they want to make things better but boy if you if you drop the ball here you're going to make your community a lot worse well congressman thank you so much for everything you're doing to keep this issue on the front burner. It's so easy to get lost in the news, but this is a critical issue, and and you've been one of the most cogent voices on it. We're really grateful for that. Glad to join you today, John. You too, sir. It was a great honor to have you on. I hope to have you on soon again. Let's do it again. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good weekend. You bet. Bye now. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. All right, folks, that wraps it up. What a day. So grateful for Congressman Lee Hamilton, Congressman Tom Tiffany, Congressman Lee Hamilton, of course, retired, the former co-chairman of the 9-11 Commission. You're going to catch that whole interview Saturday, along with Bernie Kerrick, along with Ted Olson, along with Frank Siller, along with other star-studded luminaries and experts about 9-11. You're going to want to catch that. All right, and from Tom Tiffany, we learned a lot. The measles outbreak at the Fort in his state, Big warning sign, right? The not vetting the social media of Afghan refugees, big warning sign. The fact that a guy with blasting caps and a detonation wire got nearly got on a plane to the United States without being detected were it not for an alert German military officer, big warning sign. That's why we bring people on here so you can stay ahead of the news that's what we do here. All right, we'll have another big show tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and bless this extraordinary country of the United States. As he always has, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. And remember, we're less than two days away from the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Spend some time with us commemorating this extraordinary moment in American history. Great special made possible by our friends of Policy Genius where they save you money on auto and car and home insurance every day. They're going to be here Saturday making it possible. Please tune in Saturday for a special edition of this podcast. We're all going to celebrate the solemn moment of 20 years after 9-11. Until then, God bless and good night.